honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So you are listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Q. So today we have Ike, who's the owner of J-Dog, one of the owners of J-Dog Junk um, Removal and Hauling, which is just super, super interesting to me because he's uber passionate about what he does, but it's not a sexy industry at all. So I'm excited to dive into his story, how he's got to where he is and kind of what he's doing now. So if you love what you hear, please, it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review or subscribe to the podcast. Thank you. And I hope you love what you hear. Thank you so much for coming on the Strange on Purpose show, dude. I'm excited. Thanks for having us. Or me. <laughs> oh, you're used to having your partner with you? What? You're used to having your partner with I, you? My brother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not the one that normally speaks. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks Legendary for having us. And I let him talk. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. No, dude, I appreciate it, man. So um, before we like dive into everything that we talked about before that we were going to talk about, I want to know, like, how did you get here? How did you get to everything that you're doing now? However you want to tell me that. Take so I'm in the junk removal industry and in the junk removal space. And I think that a lot of, I was, I was a musician prior and a lot of people think that I just quit music and I just wanted to get into a real job in an industry. But in actuality, like I've been in the junk removal industry, like my entire life, mm-hmm. which it sounds weird, but my dad's uh entrepreneur. Um, he started his business like 25 years ago, installing doors and windows at people's houses. And we would literally clean out people's basements in exchange for like putting doors in and stuff because he was an antique collector. So like we'd be putting a door in and then he'd, he'd get a peep of somebody's basement and be like, oh, that's interesting down there. And then like walk down there and ask a homeowner like, oh, what's it about? Are you looking to sell it? So I got into like antiquing and flea markets and cleaning out people's houses at a very young age. Yeah. Um, and also just recycling like, you know, scrappers that just drive around Milwaukee and make their living picking up metal on the side of the road. Like I was that guy. So the second I, I got my license, I bought a van and a trailer and I started my business, not under a legal name, but I started picking up metal and taking it in. So I was always passionate about like um, just recycling and making money, picking up junk. I just found it interesting. So um, I, was, I always did that as a side hustle. And then when I was a band, that's just literally how I was able to tour. I worked two uh, regular jobs, did some scrapping on the side, made some extra money, and then I would be able to leave for a month or two on the road. So that's kind of how I got um, I started in the junk removal space. And then when I was leaving my band, my brother got back from a deployment from uh, mm. his military service and I was quitting the band. And it was the first time in 10 years because we're 10 years apart in age, nine years. Um, it was the first time in our lives that we could actually quit everything and sit down and start our business and literally just like stop taking paychecks, stop like pursuing more of a personal life. And we were able to pursue a business life together. So it was just him and I uh, in June of 16, and we were able to just like hit the ground running and we didn't know what it was going to look like or what it was going to end up to, but it turned into something. What and was that timeline like? Like he comes back like right away? So he got back in September of 15 um, and I was still in my band and then he was going through some stuff uh, post his deployment. So he had to figure out a lot of personal stuff for the next uh, few months. And then... Um, 
come March time, he was finishing up college, uh, which he was, the army was paying for him to go to school. And he was literally doing that because he was super broke. So he was bartending, going to school, but he also wanted to earn a degree. So his final paper was a 40 page paper on um, starting a junk removal company and what things he had not considered. And we had not considered a franchise. Cause we never want, we never wanted to have somebody make money off of our back. Yeah. So we found this one called J dog and um, it was just very interesting with the whole veteran aspect and the way the company was structured. And it was so young yet. Um, so he was writing the paper and I was actually on tour with a hip hop artist and I was in Texas and he calls me and he's like, Hey, so I know we we're going to start our own junk mobile company. And we were talking like the month prior, but, um, He's like, I found a franchise that might be interesting. I was like, absolutely not. And I'm not like very, I'm not like that stubborn Yeah. most of the time, but I was like, no, we're not doing it. He's like, no, no, hear me out. I want to send you some info. And then I was like, all right. I was like, where is it based out of? He's like, Philadelphia. And I'm like, I'm going to be there in two weeks on tour because I was in Texas at the time. And I was like, you know what? Send me their address. I'll go meet the CEO. I'll go stop it. So two weeks go by. Uh, I meet the junk removal company in Philadelphia. Uh, my band slept in the parking lot while I was in there having a meeting with the CEO. And like, I threw on like the non stinky cleanest clothes I had. Cause yeah. I, we were living out of a van at the time. So I'm at the company and then like a month later, I looked at him. I'm like, yeah, I can quit music now. Like I was having some issues with my band and it was, just, it was the right time to leave. It felt right for the first time in 10 years of doing music. So uh, yeah, we quit and just started it. And it's awesome. So it was weird how it came together. I mean, he was finishing up college, um, going through divorce, coming home from deployment on um, the military lifestyle. Then I was leaving music and needed to fill. I needed something else to fill up my time and dedicate my passion to. Yeah. So I love that. I'm going to. Yeah. Cut. I just. You're good. Check I want to check the looks. Let's do it. Though. Can you just see something real quick? Testing. One, two. Sweet, sweet. One, two. <laughs> No, I love that. Um, going like, cause I was a musician as well. And I don't think letting go of music was hard for me, but thinking of like all the different pivots, the one thing that was very hard for me was like letting go of like my virtual reality startup. Uh-huh. And I know like a lot of questions I get is like, how did you know when to pivot? How did you know when to stop? How did you know? I know you said it felt right, but like what it's mentally was going on. It's yeah. It's crazy. Cause so many of my friends were quitting music when I was, just grinding it and going with it and start touring. I'm like, how are you quitting music right now? Like, this is, this is all of our dreams. Like, how can you quit this? And it just never made sense to me. And then for whatever reason, it just clicked that time. And, um, I, 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 it's just, it's cheesy to say, but I think it's just like, you'll know. Yeah. And it's, it's tough for me to say that because I wish I give more of a tangible answer, but it's going to be different for everyone. So I think when you, when it feels like it's a chore to get on stage every night, and to keep touring, that's when you know. I, I mean, agree. it's it, like I, I remember the passion and the fire I had for it when I was 14 and 15 and 16 years old and playing every show was meant to everything to us. And then, um, yeah, it was just it was just different at the end. I mean, I loved I still loved playing for that half an hour a night, but the other 23 and a half hours a day. Not that I was miserable, but I yeah, it, it was it wasn't easy to make it through those days sometimes. So I, yeah, I think you just know. I think when you're when your mind is somewhere else, it's like when you're in school and like all you're thinking about is getting out of school and whatever it is, whatever you're passionate about, playing sports or going home playing video games, whatever that is, and you're thinking about it constantly. That's what it was for me near the end of music. Mm. I wasn't thinking about music anymore. 
I was thinking about what's next. And it just happened to be starting a business with my brother. I agree, man. Like you knew what was on your mind. I think a lot of people just don't take the time to actually listen to what they're thinking. Correct. Listen to themselves. Or, or accept it. Yeah. It's like knowing you have to break up with someone, but it's it's a lot harder than it. Like you're just like, no, I will stick with each other and stick it through. It's like, no, everyone knows the right answer is break mm-hmm. up with someone. So kind of a weird yeah. no, I agree. analogy I there, so. but like it, you know what the right answer is. It's a, a easy wrong of the hard right. Yeah. The hard right is to break up with someone. That's a hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. The easy wrong, it's easy just to stay with someone, but we all know it's the wrong answer. What so. did those first, let's say first few years, first few months look like? in business with your brother for the first time i didn't i literally didn't hang out with anyone the first six months <laughs> it was wild like i i forget who i lived with at the time but they were like pissed at me that i just wasn't inside or hang out with because i had a dog at the time i had a roommate and like um i just had to literally work from 6 a.m until midnight every day just to get that grind going and i loved it i loved every second of it and I'm like, man, if we could just get, if we could just hire one employee, if we could just get one more truck. And the second that I was able to hire my two buddies full time, and there was four of us instead of just my brother and I, I was like, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just the, yeah, the first six months and trust me, I still work, you know, 12, 14 hour days, but back then it was like obnoxious. It was 6am till midnight nice. daily. And, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember loading a dumpster in my yard because we ran the business out of my backyard for 18 months. And I was loading a dumpster at like 2 a.m. And I remember just like looking up at the stars. I'm like, I think this all makes sense someday. Like, I hope it does. Like, it still makes sense right now. And I still love it. But I think me allocating all my time and passion to this right now is going to make sense someday. So, and what it comes down to is just outworking the competition. Yeah. So if you just put in the hard work, especially during the startup phase there. That's why there's so many businesses that fail in the first year or two. I mean, you think you start a, a Facebook page for your business and get your LLC and then customers are just going to walk in the door and you're going to start making money. No, it's, you have to care so much about what you do and live and breathe it for the first two years. Else you're not going to make it. And, and you have to wake up every day. I I still wake up every single day thinking my business is going to go out of business. Same. It's a terrible feeling, but it's awesome. It's like the best, it's the best and worst feeling. You're like, I have to convince myself every morning that I'm going to go out of business, but it just makes you work so much harder. Yeah, or work to put yourself out of business. And one of my biggest heroes is like Kobe Bryant. Um, I grew up watching him, but like his mindset for everything, like for me, like I'm not worried about, like there's a lot of people that on paper do exactly what my company does. Yeah. Like, dude, I will wear outlet. Everybody on my team will outwork anybody. Yeah. I don't give a shit, dude. And, like, and, I know we're fine. And people don't know the behind the scenes yeah. of Kobe. Once you dive in a little bit, like, he was still the first person on the court and the last person to leave. After he won championships and yeah. made it and everything, and, like, he would get new teammates in, some young guys, and they just thought he just showed up, played the games, and played phenomenal and left. No, he he put in more hours continuously until the oh, end yeah. of his career. Which is how it's got to be. Yeah. How do you know you love it? Or how do you know you love it? Because that's a weird industry, man. Like It is. It's uh there's one thing that always brings me back to one store in particular i was just getting into recycling with my dad i was in like seventh grade and my brother was home from one of his deployments uh didn't have a job so he was he bought a house and he was scrapping out of the backyard so i just learned scrapping and i was mm-hmm. what 11 12 years old probably and i remember i was on the bus going to school to going to grade school and i saw a pile of scrap some five gallon buckets 
at this, when we stopped to pick up a kid, I saw, I looked over and saw some five bucket, five gallon buckets of scrap. So I called my dad at the time. Or maybe, yeah, I must've had a cell phone. I called my dad. I'm like, Hey, like, you know where this house is on the corner? There's some scrap there. And I was so jacked. And then I hung up the phone and I literally could not wait to get home from school to hear how much scrap he picked up and like what it was worth. And cause I didn't know anything about the industry. I just knew that there was metal sitting there. So he's like, yeah, I took it in the scrapyard. I don't think he gave me the money at all, but he's like, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, I went, I went and picked it up. And then your brother stopped by and he, his eyes lit up when he entered the yard and he's like, dad, where'd you get all this scrap from? And then, um, yeah, I think it was just that, that spark. I don't know. And there's a handful of those stories, but even now, if I walk into a warehouse or something and I just see a bunch of stuff all over the place that's been sitting there for like 50, 60, 70 years, like I am a kid in a candy store. So it's a curiosity. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't wait to see what we're about to uncover, what it's worth, uh, why it was there, knowing the history behind it. So, I mean, when I was 18, 19 years old, when I was doing music, I was cleaning out warehouses in downtown Milwaukee by myself on nights and weekends. Yeah. And like just learning the history and learning the industry of scrapping, um, it's just really industry or interesting. So it is, man. Like that's I don't know. People talk about like do what you're passionate about, do what you love, like go explore. And most of that's like, yeah, I want to start a video. I want to start a media company. I want to be an influencer. Yeah, I want to because um, it's popular. Yeah, and it, it's not their actual passion. Exactly. It's not what they actually love. Exactly. And I, like, that's why that's so fascinating to me because it's. That I could not do, man. I oh, just, dude, dude, and trust me, like junk mold is the least sexy industry <laughs> there is. It's like it's a, a trash hauler, but like to, for whatever reason, I just love it. That's awesome. So like, I don't really not that I just don't really care. Like if people don't find it interesting or cool, like I do every day, and that's what's going to make me work harder. Because if I was in something that would be like flashy, if I was a social media influencer or something yeah. like that, like I just wouldn't care. Like it would all just be a front. Yeah. <laughs> And I think again, dude. I was I just watched the fire. I just watched both of the fire documentaries, Hulu and yeah. um, the Netflix. Which one. one was better? I actually so I originally watched Netflix, which okay. was amazing, and I'm like, damn, it's incredible. But I actually like the Hulu one better. Okay, because they in they interviewed the guy, the what's his name, Billy. They interviewed yeah. Billy, which the other one didn't do, and I thought it was incredibly done, incredibly well done. <laughs> um, but like those influencers, super. A lot of them were just super shallow, super like. Maybe they were early adopters, don't really have anything to offer. Yep. Just, okay, here, like, I've got money. Let's do something cool. Let's party. It's just, it's like, fake it till you make it. But unfortunately, in a, in a digital age and a social media age, the truth will always win. I mean, look at the Patriots owner yep. as of two days ago. And look at all the news broadcasters and the whole Me Too movement. Like, everything's going to always come everything's gonna come to surface. Everything. There's no hiding, man. Everything and, is- and I'm hyped on it. Like... People are going to have to show their true colors eventually. Everything's going to catch up with everyone. Yep. Agreed, man. It's social is an extension. It's not, no, it's not yeah. this weird extravagant tool. It's just an extension. It's not, us. it's not changing you. Yeah. It's, it's exposing you. Yeah. It's exposing who you really are. A thousand percent. So if I had to, you know, get on camera every night and be at the club and talk about how much I love clubbing and hang out with all these big name people, like I would be miserable. <laughs> yep. But if I have to get on camera and talk about loading a dumpster, I'm jacked. I'm stoked. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever hear anybody else say that. <laughs> You'll never hear that statement again on any other podcast you do. But like, I don't, yeah, this is so weird. But you just have to accept that reality. And trust me, like, I only have like, I think two photos of prior to me starting my junk removal company yeah. of me doing junk removal. Cause I was like, in not, I was 
kind of insecure about it because I was in a band and like mm. people viewed me as um, just whatever, like whatever kind of aesthetic comes along with being in a band. Like, um, so it was just, it was tough to like uh, post about my true self and what I actually cared about, which was playing on people's houses and junk removal. So like, I never really posted about that when I was in a band, even when I started the business, I really didn't tell anyone what I was doing because I was mm. kind of insecure about it. Um, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Like I remember the first day of our business, it was like, June, it was the day after Memorial day. We did the Memorial day parade as a business. And then Tuesday we started Tuesday morning and we didn't, no one was calling the phone yet. Cause yeah. we didn't started. And I remember sitting in my yard. Um, and I just started getting into like social media influencers and that's why I found like Gary V and yeah. a couple other people. And they're just like, man, they're telling me to videotape this stuff. But I, I was like, I can't get in front of a camera and talk about this. Like I'm insecure about it. Like who's going to care about me doing junk removal. So day one, I was like, I should probably take a photo or tape this. And like, I didn't. And like, I don't regret it because I don't I really have regrets. But like, I wish I just would have started filming that and just started speaking to a camera. Even if I didn't release it, yeah, just film it and know what I was thinking back then. Know what my yard looked like. Know what day one felt like. All those things. Dude, it's such an incredible, I think that's my favorite thing. And that's probably the thing I'm most proud of because all the stuff I make now, like I, a lot of times I'll pull out like my first video, or like yeah. video 29 or video 107. Like, damn, okay. that's And, and like 13 views, 17 yeah. views, not even views. like six, probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> more wide, you know? But yeah, like, but you've been telling your story. Yeah. And then like, you haven't changed the context of it. It's always been the same story and you start. Yeah. Exactly, man. And it, it's a narrative. And like, sometimes I'll get messages like, damn, I just binge you like a Netflix show. Like, that's so weird. It's Dude. cool. You know, yeah. like it's, it's an actual story and like documenting, even if it's, even if it's 10 years into your business, like now, like you're always going to have that story. Like, oh yeah, that's literally, that's probably the biggest thing I would say to anybody. Like make sure you're documenting because it's, we, it's incredible. That's why I looked at my brother four months ago and I'm like, we need to hire a videographer to film what we do all day. Oh yeah. And I think that's dude, that's an interesting industry, dude. I, like it's, we're it's junk, so weird. It's strange. Let me just say it for the record. We're a junk mobile company <laughs> and we have a full-time in-house videographer. What are the, what have been the perks or benefits of that thus far? Producing content on social media. Um, and just, yeah, just really just realizing how much stupid stuff we do all day and like it's just crazy to us that we've run an actual company doing it and have like 30 employees doing it but yeah just creating um memories for us and really like if you post a video on facebook of whatever and doesn't produce any jobs or get a lot of views like i always know that we'll have that video and like it'll mean something down Mm. the road so um, we're now we're, I mean, we're translating into dollars and pumping money into Facebook advertising and yeah. stuff like that. Like we're going to be taking that route, but it's just cool to have somebody who's really gifted at videography document our story. Agreed. So. I want to dive more into the business side, but first, yeah. um, so what you do is not sexy. You've said it. I've said it. I think you know that I don't, you don't give a shit, which is awesome no. to me. Um, what advice would you give to people that are super passionate about maybe it's knitting or something you know something that's not sexy yeah that maybe they're afraid to step out they're afraid to admit that what advice would you say they're gonna be so much happier and if you just front it your whole life you're just gonna be miserable and if you get into a job that you your parents want you to get into or uh, your grandmother your spouse and they want you to go in a certain direction in life like you're gonna make them happy but ultimately you're gonna be miserable and you can't make others happy if you're not happy so you need to at, at your core, find what your passion is and pursue that 
especially in your twenties, because you have all the opportunities in the world. I mean, yeah. not a lot of have, you know, family, kids, a lot of bills, houses, like in your twenties is a prime example or prime opportunity to take that on. So yeah, you just have to pursue it because you're never going to make other people happy if you're not happy. So I think that's just the biggest thing. And also a big thing I um, explain to people is defining your own um, success, whatever you want to be successful at. I mean, I don't care about money at all. Like I don't want, I don't aspire to drive a nice car or have a big house. Like that's the stuff. I mean, money comes along with yeah. hard work and it'll, the, mon- the money will eventually come, but that's not what drives me every day. What drives it me does. every day is seeing people's smile on their faces after we service their house or inspiring people just by doing things out of the ordinary. So um, defining your own success is also a huge part of it. But um, ultimately, yeah, I mean, you're, your parents are probably going to pass away before you are, and you're going to be, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old and your parents are going to be in a retirement home or gone and you're going to be miserable and you only chose the life that you did because they want you to do it. So, I mean, I'm not saying go against your parents at everything, but like you have to, you have to pursue your passion if you can, if you have that in you to do it, you have to try at least try and fail. That way you never go look back at 60 or 70 and be like, Oh, I wish I would have tried this. If you tried it and failed it and you tried to run a business and you're like, yep, couldn't pursue a knitting company. So that's why I got into accounting. Agreed, man. I think a lot of people are afraid of that initial rejection. I remember like back in the day, not even back in the day, I think it was like two years ago, I was home for Christmas or like Thanksgiving or yeah. something. Went home, um, bought presents, you know, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't buy a $20 bus ticket to get back to Milwaukee. And I asked my mom and stepdad, yo, can you just like front me this? I'll pay you back. Yeah. And got in a huge fight, huge blowout. And I was mad for a long time. But looking back, like I realized that I just expected them to believe in me. I expected like all these people to say, yeah, you can do this cue, blah, 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 blah. Like, but really it was coming out of love and like no one owed me anything. I had to prove yep. that a thousand percent. I had to prove that I was able to do this. And when I did like me and my mom, like I fucking love my mom, right? Like we've got that relationship. Yeah. Um, but I proved that this is what I want to do and I can actually make money with it. It's a hard reality to accept it. I mean, if you're given all the money and opportunity in the world, you're not going to appreciate the hustle. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I, Dude, now, like now, now you you know what the alternative looks like. You know yeah, that your dude. parents aren't going to back you up. Yeah. If if you need it, like yeah. you know, and I you know make, what being hungry feels. Like. Oh yeah, I'm not going back to that. You, yeah, you have to make everything happen for yourself. Yeah. Are things going to help you along the way? Absolutely, but no one's going to make it for you. Absolutely. So talk to me about the business. Like, how did you like, um, like when you're first starting making money? Like before you're hiring, like what does that look like? I remember you said when you were able to hire four of your buddies, you were super geeked. Oh yeah, before but, that. What well, that was two like? months in. Yeah, okay. that was August, and it, yeah, so June. I mean, my brother and I, we were utilizing every resource and opportunity we had around us. So what we did is we were a junk removal company. We didn't know how to get customers. I mean, our trucks are kind of flashy, and we can go out and park them, but it's not going to make the phone ring day one. Yeah. Um, so we met with every single person in Menominee Falls that knew us and in Milwaukee that knew us. So my brother and I used to manage the same pizza shop just nine years apart. Like in 2000, 2000, he managed it. And then 2009, I managed it. So we knew the owner. He's pretty much like family. So we sat down with him, bought him breakfast, which is like a big $15 expense at the time. We didn't have any money. (laughs) That's huge. So yeah. So we're like, hey, what, how do you think we can, like you've been a local business owner for 30 years and you run a pizza shop. How do you think we can grow our business? He's like, well, you can park the truck in front of my shop. Hopefully that does something good for you. But he's like, I'll take your coupon and I'll staple it to every one of my pizza boxes for the first few months. 
So that was like, all right, that was a win. We didn't get, we got like a job or two out of it. So it wasn't like, all right, we did one thing. That's a home run. We just utilized every resource that was around us until we didn't have any more resources. And then we just started throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. So, I mean, we, it's, I think a big question that comes up is how do you value what your company or like what your service is worth or your product is worth? So, I mean, yeah, we definitely did free jobs for people that we thought were going to make a difference for us. We're like, oh, well, there was one um, job we did in Tosa. And we gutted this person's front foyer, this tile floor. It was just beyond heavy and impossible yeah. to get up. So we broke it all up and we're like, yeah, we're doing this job for free. She's connected with all the, these senior living and apartment facilities, which was a big industry for us. And like, she's going to get our foot in the door for so many places. We did our whole tile floor, left, never heard from her again. Wow. But then you meet somebody on the side of the street that you've never provided value to. They hear about your company and they give you 10x, 100x of what you're looking for. So it's the good with the bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you just have to, you have to try a million things and hopefully 10 things stick to the wall. What so, has stuck to the wall? What has? Yeah. Um, In terms of generating, generating those leads. Generating leads. Uh, being really real or organic when you're selling to people. And we don't even call it selling in our company. We don't, I don't walk into a senior living facility or a realtor office with a hard sell. Yeah. What we do is we tell our story and we explain our services. We say, hey, we're two brothers from Milwaukee that bought into a veteran junk mobile franchise. And our services are junk mobile moving and demo. And then we just sit there. Sweet. And, and then our Google reviews speak for us. And our YouTube videos speak for us. And all these things speak for us. And people want to do business with us. So we don't ever go in for a hard sell saying, Hey, I need you to sign this contract right now and we'll come in and service your company. Like, no, we just, we walk in, we tell our story, explain our services. I think a lot more people, if they just do that more organically and they bring, um, a huge value to the customer. Like I know we bring more of a value to the customer than the customer brings to me. Yeah. So I know they're always going to want to go with us. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I think a lot of, what you just explained, there's a lot of brand building in that as well. Oh, yeah. Like the content. How long did that take? Because a lot of like I, I have a buddy that's starting his first videography company yep. um, or he's going to be a freelance videographer now. Um, just quit his full time job. And he's like, yeah, I want to create all this content. Yeah, I want to do all this. Totally. Yes. Like that's going to help you. But it's probably going to help you three to six to one year to two years oh, down yeah. the line. Um, so I told him, like, go fucking get your key teeth kicked in like nick nicholas kirchner said dude like go pick up the phone like go talk to people go tell your story uh-huh. you know like um how long did that take where your story could actually speak for itself oh in the content oh it's from some stories and uh news articles and stuff that we did our first year we're just seeing roi mm-hmm. from that now so you can't rely on that to jump drum up business for you i mean we've yeah. been on um, CNBC and New York Times and all these big things, but it's not like that's what make the phone ring. Yeah. Like it's just cool press, but no, you still have to you still have to have the base knowledge of who you're selling to and who's buying your product and work at that relationship every single day. Because a problem we had in our business from the get go is we would we would uh, go out and sell and brand ourselves and all these things, and we get so much business, and then we'd stop networking and selling to people. And then like, our, cause we were just doing job after job after job. We couldn't even think about networking. And then the second week of the month hits, which is our slowest week. Cause people move in the first yeah. and the last. So like they're always getting rid of stuff or we're moving them. So second week of um, like November hits and like you have, your guys aren't working. You're super slow. You're like what happened? And we're like, Oh, all of October we were working because we were busy. 
And now it's going into winter and we haven't been networking the past month. So now we have to re-network and build that business up again. So my brother has a matrix. He calls it the hustle, the struggle, and the grind. <laughs> so you, you hustle, you hustle, you hustle. And then you're at that point of struggling and then you enjoy the grind. But while you're on the grind there, you can only enjoy it for so long. So you have to start hustling again. Yeah. I so. agree. I agree. And it happened to us um, when we were first getting started. Like we were struggling hardcore, like had so much buzz. And then all of a sudden... Pfft, Yep. And it took off and we had all this business, but we couldn't do anymore. Yep. And we were just head down. Okay. We got to do this, got to do this. And then everything slowed down. Yep. And now like, okay, how can we actually build a brand that's constantly going to drive this inbound mm -hmm. traffic, inbound traffic? And how can we stay out in public and how can we do all these things? Cause there's so much that goes into it. I think you also have to hire people when you can afford them to yeah. upkeep all that, that backend mm -hmm. stuff that you're not keeping track of, yeah. or you can't, you're not good at taking care of like my brother and I have never been good at HR from day one, our idea of HR is call up a buddy the night before a job and be like, Hey, <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? Can you work? Like we've never had that in us. So like six months ago we hired a full-time HR person because we'd never been good at it. Yeah. And it was something that we always struggled with because we'd have the right amount of employees and to start cr cranking out jobs. And then this person goes off to the military and this person goes off to college. And then we're like, Oh, we're short four people and we need them for Monday and it's Saturday night. Yeah. So like, whatever your strengths and weaknesses are, you have to hire the talent to make up for that. Don't work on your weaknesses. We hire for our weaknesses. We Agreed. bet on our strengths. Agreed. So, what was that like initially though? Like before you had, before you had the money to hire and you're doing all these different Oh, you just, you have to deal with it. I mean, you can't afford to pay people when you start. So we can't, yeah. You just have to do every part of the business. Would you I'll, say that makes you better at oh, necessarily yeah. managing, but, um, Overseeing. Understanding. Yeah, understanding. It, yeah. it helps you understand your business more because I was in HR at one point and that was me calling my buddies. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I've never, my brother always did like the finance and um, the operational part of our business, but I've always done the fleet and the warehouse and we both kind of meshed together for HR stuff. Um, but I have an appreciation for what our guys do day to day now because I was in it at one point. Yeah. I mean, we have a full time warehouse staff that manages all the product that comes into our building. But that was me the first summer in my backyard. And even though the volume was way less, but it was just me. Now they have, you know, concrete and a roof over their heads and a forklift and staff and carts. I had me and a gravel lot <laughs> and a couple buckets. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so, awesome. so it, it, it's, you have to do it because you have to know, you can't just start up a company and hire for every position. Cause you're not going to know what they do or what the expectation is. Not going to have that culture piece. Yeah. Agreed. I like, it's so, so, so cool. Like seeing someone do something better than you would. Like we just brought on Chandler and he just fucking crushes it. He yeah. does everything better than I would have. It's, just, <laughs> it's so awesome because I get to sit back and do what I'm actually good at. Exactly. It's, it's cool. I think a big part of starting business too, is you have to accept that if you're a 10 at something, but your business is never going to grow. You have to hire somebody and they're not going to be as good as you sometimes too, though. And so I would rather hire, you know, three sixes or three sevens than one ten because it's going to allow my business to grow. And they're going to make mistakes if they're sixes, sevens or eights at something. Yeah. And if I'm a 10 and they're an eight, I'll take a couple of eights and I'll work on another part of the business to go grow it. Yeah. So I think and invest in those people. To exactly. Yeah. And I think just letting go of some of that. That's a that's a huge part of businesses people want to hire talent and have them be perfect and better at their job than what they were and yeah i don't know if that's a reality yeah it's, I mean, it's definitely not a reality and it's hard to find unless you have a huge budget dude oh yeah 
Yeah. Which if you're yeah, you're not business that's <laughs> unfortunately right now in our economy, there's a lot of money out there for startups with VCs and everything. So they can do that, but give it a year or two yeah. when there's no money in the system and you have to truly grind it out to start a business. Yeah. I think that's why I went the bootstrapping route. Cause I, I never wanted to rely on other people and I never wanted to get complacent. No. I think just bootstrapping it, like you always know what's going on. You understand what it's like to be hungry and do that hunger. Like, I think that drives so much. Yeah. It drives so, so much. Oh, yeah. Everything, we feel the everything is your, everything is your fault. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, if three employees don't show up to my, to work tomorrow morning, tomorrow's a very busy day. Uh, <laughs> that would for, blow. Just for the record. <laughs> uh, it's my fault. I didn't have an employee show up yesterday and the weather was bad. And we couldn't complete a job. And I had to coach two of our guys on how to tell the customer we had to reschedule. Mm. And they took the big hit for, I mean, the customer was kind of angry with them that we had to reschedule, unfortunately. But I was like, hey, these are factors that we can't, we can't control the weather right now. And it's unsafe for our guys to work in this condition. But ultimately, it's my and my brother's fault. Yeah. No no matter what happens. Because we hired that person. We bought that system or that software but we bought these trucks everything yeah you've got to take ownership got yeah. to take responsibility yeah. Yeah. and when you do like it it helps everybody man and it's so quiet up here then yeah yeah everything's just so quiet and and there's a big damn and explain to people is good and bad i keep everything quiet if we're in if my brother and i were on a morning blend show in milwaukee here a few weeks ago and like people come to us they're like oh we saw you on tv and all this stuff i'm like yeah like it was a cool opportunity like, I don't get jacked on that because I know that an employee is going to call me in two seconds saying that something that the customer is being difficult or something's wrong on a job. So I just keep everything right here. Yeah. The good and the bad. I don't I don't hear any of it. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I, but you can't you can't just get hyped up on like yeah. one news press or being in a. No, I agree. You'll get complacent. Yeah. I, I think I'm very similar. Um, I, I think I have. I'm on the extremes. Like I feel very, very hard for a very short period of time. Yep. And then no. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's work. Let's go. Let's oh, go. You, have, you have to smile. You have to care so yep. much and you have to love every second of it, yep. but you have to love the good and the bad. Yeah. Agreed, man. Um, so as you're bringing on people, um, what, what's kind of changed within your business? How has your role evolved? How's your role changed? Are you still doing what you love? Are you it, doing it, the thing that you're 10 at? It's, it's, it is tough because as you grow a business, you get into just more coaching and mentoring people. We don't use the word managing in our business really, cause you can't manage people. Yeah. Um, so you just get, you, you're just in charge of people at, at when you grow it to 30 people. So I'm not in a truck hauling junk every day, which is what I love, but I'm coaching other employees, um, and teaching them a lot of soft skills as well as hard skills. I can teach them the hard skills of, Hey, this is our process. This is how we you know, get stuff out of basements. This is how we sort all of our goods. Then also a lot of soft skills like, hey, I'm going to take you to a networking event and you're going to be scared shitless and you're going to have to talk to people that you don't want to talk to or know how to talk to. Or, Dude, I met one of your employees. Which one? I'm blanking on his name. Maybe, maybe. Where'd you meet him at? He was in an event that I was emceeing at that I got the the show notes like literally like an hour before. So it was bad. But um, I'm blanking on the name, but I would know him if I saw him. Jose? What do you look like? I want to say redhead, but I was drinking, so I don't remember. <laughs> could be anybody. But I did if you were drinking, it could be anybody. True. He was at a networking event. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, but even t- teaching people customer service and teaching them uh, ownership, all those things. So 
if they don't stay with our company forever, which I don't, if our guys don't want to do that, I don't, I'm not going to hold them accountable yeah. to that. They would say, Hey, I want to go pursue this or that. I'm like, cool. Like, that's awesome. I want to know that we taught them a bunch of soft skills yeah. that are going to help them in whatever field they go to. So, um, yeah, my day to day is definitely different from when I started our company. I'm not in a truck hauling junk every day. Um, so it's a lot harder just to like not really have a schedule, like just because before I used to just go to people's houses mm-hmm. and haul junk and bring in revenue. Now I'm a non-revenue producing employee. Um, so I have to go out and like network and cold call and try other things because all the backend stuff is already be, being taken care of. So we just got to think what else and why not? That's a big question. My brother and I always say to each other. Uh, Jackie Hermes is one of our one of our clients and one of our good friends, she yeah. said um, when she started it, she was a marketer and now she's a business person. She used to love marketing and art, but now she loves business. Have you found that your your passions <laughs> changed or evolved now that you're, you're uh, coaching and mentoring people? I think it, it's just changed by proxy. Uh, I love junk mobile. And I love the thing that we do to the core, but I also want to grow a large company to a certain extent to prove that yeah. it's a sustainable business and that two brothers from the Northwest side of Milwaukee and Manami Falls can start a business and it can be successful if you just follow your passion. So I think I want to grow a large business to inspire people. And it is inspiring people to just kind of prove to them that anyone can do anything. Do you believe that anyone can be a business owner? That's, I think they can, but it all starts with self-awareness. Can I be in the NBA? I'm six, six, but I can't jump for shit. (laughs) And I can't really work out in the gym because I don't have the passion for it. So if I hated it every day and dedicated my life, I'm sure I could be an okay basketball player. So I think anyone could start a business that costs $130 to get an LLC. Now, is that business going to be successful or not? Not everyone can. You have to have that drive and the passion and the self-awareness. Yeah. So, I mean, there's people that are born with talent. There, I think that there are people that are born more entrepreneurial. Um and then there are people that aren't born entrepreneurial. There's, there's a lot of people that had to work a lot harder to get into the NBA than others. Some people were just naturally gifted. And then some people made it and they weren't naturally gifted, but they worked their ass off because they're passionate about it. Yeah. So anyone can start a business, whether or not they're going to be successful is a whole nother topic. Agreed. <laughs> and it goes back to what you said earlier. It's like define your own success. And yeah. like, what are you passionate about? Yeah. Like if it's knitting shit, go start a knitting business, not a marketing firm, yeah. you know, cause and, you're probably gonna be more successful. And you can, and the funny part is, is like, you can make 80 or 90 grand a year at a job you hate. Yeah. Or you can go start your own knitting business and start a YouTube channel, explain what your knitting techniques are and make 60 grand a year and be happy as shit. And all you're doing for that extra 20 or 30 grand a year is buying dumb shit to impress people you don't even like. So why not just be happy and make a living off of it? Like if you're passionate about knitting, if you're that passionate about something, you can, I I believe you can make a business happen, especially in today's modern age. No matter what. That's what's not talked about. It's anybody can, I don't believe anyone can be a business owner or an entrepreneur, but I do believe that you can make money doing what you love. Oh yeah. Like anybody. And a question that came up the other day is I was with a customer at a networking event and there was like, well, yeah, I bet the internet has helped you tremendously. Um, grow your business because now you can advertise on Google and Facebook and you're just getting leads for free. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also opened up the competition like you've never believed. Because anyone, it doesn't matter what city you're from, what color of skin you are, Mm -hmm. where you grew up, any of that. Anyone can, anyone, if they're willing to put in the work, they can out hustle anybody now. And I love that. Oh yeah. I'm all about it. Because the people that are putting in the work and that are the best of their craft are going to win. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just who your who your dad knows or what or what college you went to. None of that matters anymore. That's the beauty of it. Agreed, man. Yeah. So this is the Strange on Purpose podcast, and I want to know what about you goes against the grain. What about you makes you misfit? How and why are you strange on purpose? <sighs> That's a good question. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's like, right, where do we go from here now? Um, I don't know. I think it's. I, I had a dream to be a musician, and I accepted the fact that I might not be cut out from the music industry as a musician. Um, and I just totally switched to 180 on a bunch of people that knew what I was doing, and I went from a musician to being a junk mobile guy. So. I like being the outcast of society that we, we're in an industry that is not sexy and that we love hauling junk and talking about it and trying to f- make differences in our community. So like, it's a, it's a very uh, underground thing. Like hey, two bro- two brothers that grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee started a junk mobile business and this is what it's turned into. And this is what it's going to turn into. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, like I, I guess if that's a, that's what I interpret yeah. the res- the question as, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Hey, I've got two more questions, but first yeah. one, um, where can people find you? What should they pay attention to? Where can they see this junk removal documentation? Do you have a full-time videographer now? Yeah. A lot of it is on our Facebook. Um, it's J-Dog Southeastern Wisconsin. Um, but me personally, I'm just a big Instagram guy. Hey, you crush uh, it, dude. No, I don't crush it. Yeah, I just you do. live on it. Yeah, <laughs> <you do>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like the platform a lot. I like how it functions. I like the the way that people explain messages on there. Yeah. Um, I'm big on Instagram. I get like like um, my brother who we're pumping out a lot of content for is big on LinkedIn as you are too. And as you know, so we're producing a lot of content for him on his LinkedIn. Um, and that's just under Andy Wines. So, yeah. Awesome. And lastly... I can frame it two different ways. One, I'll say, is there a question that you wish I asked you? Or two, um, if you could put one thing on a billboard, let's say, what would that message be? I love that first question. Because when I was at a networking event the other night, they were just like, all right, I'm going to show you three power questions. (laughs) And that was like the third one. I I put it in the notes on my phone. I could show it (laughs) to you. That's awesome. Literally, I'm like, I'm going to start using that question now. That is awesome. What is, what, yeah. Right there. I didn't even need to click on a note for that it to pop up. awesome. I got that from uh, Get You a Grind Up podcast when I was on it. They asked yeah. me that. I'm like, I love that question. That is such a power question for meeting down, meeting with somebody or like when you first sit down with them is, yeah. what do you want to get out of this meeting? Mm. It just makes people think so much. Agreed, man. Um, if I could put something on a billboard, I would just say just... Like it's going to sound cheesy, whatever way I put it, but just like, do what you love. Like just fucking make yourself happy. <laughs> like, cause you're never going to make society happy or inspire people if you're not happy. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say to the world. That's what I'm trying to say to the world is that anyone has a shot at pursuing what they want, if they want to work hard enough for it. And that perspective is the biggest thing yeah people ask a lot well how are you able to just get up and work 12 or 14 hours a day one word perspective i know the alternative i know i could have been born in different circumstances in a different country with different opportunities in life and i know what i am born with and i accept it and i'm just gonna run with it because i know what the alternative could look like so i think it's just a big thing like uh, 
if you go to Starbucks and they put too much creamer in your coffee and you're pissed about it, like let's let's get down to reality here. Like no one should complain about anything ever, ever. That's that's the punchline of life. So if they actually put that on a fucking billboard. Don't <laughs> complain about shit. That's awesome, man. Because it's, it, there's nothing to complain about. Yeah. Perspective. Like we have it. Most like most people watching live in America and have all the opportunity in the world. And we're fortunate to be born in this country. Fortunate um, to be born it's, at all. Yeah, born. Yeah, four hundred trillion to one. Yeah, it's a number that Gary V throws out quite a bit. Yeah, that's the odds of becoming a human being. So you accept that you could have been a tree or a rock or whatever, and you, you're like, okay, I'm born a human being. I have two arms, two legs. I am healthy. All these, all these things, and then throw on top of it, oh, I was born in a country th- that has a lot of opportunity in front of me. So if you just accept all those things, all the little things that happen day to day don't matter. You can't complain about shit. No one owes you anything. Like if something happens in your life, it's your fault. And that's a very hard thing to accept. But the people that do get that and accept it are going to be happy as hell. So don't complain. That's it for a billboard. Not even a face or no logo, nothing. Black and white billboard. I dig that. Dope, dude. I appreciate I you. <laughs> appreciate you coming on, man. That's probably one of the best answers, but appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. You guys are taking Milwaukee by storm in such a short amount of time. Thanks, man. So it's it's cool to be a part, to know you guys and be a part of your uh, beginnings and what you guys are out there doing every day. And just from the minute we we first sat down and kind of knowing the structure of your guys' company and what you guys are doing. And like, I see your guys' names everywhere without even trying. So that's a good thing. Like, I don't know. I'm excited to see what you guys grow into. And like, it's cool to be a part of this at an early stage, but also you guys are, you're there, but I know where you're going to be in the next five to 10 years. It's just going to keep going uphill. So it's Thank incredible. You, man. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. And likewise, if there's ever anything we can do, let us know. Hit oh, us yeah. up. When we move upstairs, got to get you back in. Oh yeah, we'll be yeah, we'll be here and move some stuff around for you. We'll make it happen. We'll get, yeah, you can take the seventies couches, man. Yeah, and we're gonna hook you up with some of the coolest stuff <laughs> that you've never even seen before. Appreciate we're, it. Man. We're, for anyone who visits the office up here in Milwaukee, <laughs> this could be some J Dog stuff here that's gonna make it look awesome. Appreciate it, dude. Well, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me.